Well, hello again. It is Tuesday again, and I am Stacy. I am Coulter. And this is Any Crime at All. Uh, we have uh, taken over 800 plays, 802 plays now. Yes. We're very proud of that. Doesn't seem like a lot to most people, I probably, but we're pretty fucking proud yeah, of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, first, a little uh, disclaimer. Cats. Need I say more? And or dog. And or dog, yes. So, yeah. So, uh, what's new and exciting, Colt? You got all your Christmas shopping done? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm done done, I believe. There's a couple things I want to... A couple shirts or something. But... Yeah. Other than that. And, uh... I will say that I bought some true crime books, and we have some really, really good episodes coming up in the future. Let me tell you, folks. And I bought some new Marvel books, so there's going to be some really, really nerdy things my mother will have to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll make you guys listen to it, too. I can't be the only one suffering. No, I'm just kidding. I actually really love Marvel. So we should do an episode on the Infinity Gauntlet. That crime, he went through half the universe. <laughs> That's true. With a snap of his fingers. Yeah. Oh, snappy, snappy. <laughs> that's what he. That's what he said snap before. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> Go snap happy. Okay, so this week we're doing part two of Elizabeth Fritzel. Um, in part one, we learned mostly about Josef Fritzel and. How he grew up, he was pretty fucked up when he grew up, and he turned out to be a pretty fucked up person. And then he got married to Rosemarie. They had, what was it, seven kids together? Five kids? There was the twins? Seven kids, I think. But he was he was a shithead to all of them, but mostly he was a shithead to Elizabeth for some unknown reason. So we are going to continue on with this. You ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Okay. So, Elizabeth Fritzel, Chapter 2. August 28th, 1984 was a day Josef Fritzel had been planning for many years. He was a duplicitous, scheming, deceptive piece of shit, but he believed he could pull this off. It would just take a lot of lies, manipulation, and not minding crossing the moral boundaries that most people have. Moral boundaries yeah. that most people have. So, Elizabeth Fritzel was a shy, willful, pretty girl. Of the seven children, she was the quietest. She was the one who would be made to watch the younger children and also the one that other parents would always get to babysit their kids. Oh, okay. She loved being around children. The eldest daughter, Yuli. That was Ulrich. I think in the first episode, I think I said it was a son because Ulrich sounds like a boy's name. Yeah, it does. But uh, the eldest daughter, Yuli, was a serious, studious girl who obeyed her parents without question. Yuli eventually became a teacher. The second daughter, Rosemarie, was characterized as a free spirit, and she was the naughtiest, and she got away with it. What do they mean, like naughtiest? Like, like she wouldn't really obey her parents. And oh, I didn't know if you meant like, like naughty in the sense like she's at whoring. No, no, she just or something like her dad would tell her to do something that she didn't want to do, and she'd be like, no, and she wouldn't really get in trouble for it. Interesting. <clears throat> mm-hmm. She was also 
from what everyone says, she was like the prettiest of all the daughters. Okay, a little creepy then. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Elfrida Hora explains, quote, Elfrida Hora was, remember Paul Hora was Josef Fritzl's friend? Yeah. After all the rape, after the rape conviction and stuff, most of his friends went away. So Elfrida was Paul's wife. She explains, Elizabeth, uh, you can only characterize as being painfully shy. In retrospect, I am sure he was abusing her before she went into the cellar. He says it started in the cellar, but it was definitely put before that. Why else was she so shy? Unquote. Well, maybe she was just a shy girl. It could be that. But uh, the rest of the kids were very outgoing. and But you never know. People are shy. Well, she was being abused in the sense that he was treating her the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Yosef was a tyrant towards his whole family, but he was always much harder on Elizabeth. Yuli was never hit. Rosemary was slapped a few times, but Elizabeth received beatings from her father. Full-on closed-fist beatings. Why, though? Like, why just her? I don't know. Boys had crushes on her, both at home and at Monsi. Remember, that's where their, yeah. where their bed and breakfast was. But she'd never give them the time of day. Ever. Okay. And she was a pubescent girl. Like, that's odd. Yeah, very. Right? Elizabeth never even seemed to want any close friends. Okay. Mm-hmm. Young Elizabeth rarely had friends over to her home, and the friends that did visit noticed how badly she was treated. She had to be home straight after school, and if she noticed she was uh, um, running even five minutes late, she'd panic and rush right home. Elizabeth checked her watch incessantly throughout the day just to make sure it was working. That's horrible, man. This is how scared this young girl was of her father. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. To be that scared all the time? It's just awful. It must be how people who are afraid of spiders feel like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, just kidding. I'm yeah, just yeah. Kidding. But, uh, like, uh, battered women and women who are like uh, coercively controlled and stuff. It's always like, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Like, you know what I mean? Can I open the door? Yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. Um, many friends of Elizabeth have come forward to say how nice of a girl she was. Apparently, Liesel, Elizabeth friends called her this and Sissy. Those they, were her nicknames. Oh, okay. Liesel and Sissy. I, for a second there, I thought Liesel and Sissy were like two other friends, but no. then, yeah. No, those were her nicknames. Uh, she loved nature and animals, even spiders, which most of her other friends were, you know, eek, a spider, but... Well, I just mentioned spiders. Yeah, but Elizabeth just loved all of nature. But she loved butterflies the best. The friends all say that Liesel never talked about her home life, but everyone knew she was terrified of her father. Yet none of the friends had any inkling about the sexual abuse. This is not uncommon as the abusers will make threats to their victims. And usually the victim bears too much shame to tell anyone. Elizabeth's best friend during high school was Krista Woldrich. Her uh, maiden name was Goatsinger. 
Goatsinger? Goatzinger. Oh. Or Gotzinger. Probably Gotzinger. I, I can't. You know how they do that? The what? That got that that in Austria and Germany they the O yeah, is like what, a different what, sound, you know? What? So like that? What? Well, I mean, not insane, but you know, <laughs> just a sound that they not do with insane, the O's. But just the sound. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, so they didn't get to spend a lot of time together outside of school. However, they would uh, walk home together every day, sometimes stopping to buy candy or talk for five or ten minutes. So Krista, as I said, she was the best friend in school. Yeah. She says, quote, I don't think I ever would have guessed what was happening to her. She wasn't a particularly sad child. But I was never allowed to visit her. The only explanation she ever gave was that her father was very strict. I didn't see him, but he was always there between us because of his influence over her, like an invisible presence that you could always feel, even if you didn't clap eyes on him. Elizabeth never had a boyfriend, and she was never close to having one when we knew each other, up until we were 16 or so. It's hard to say, but I think she would have never got near a quote-unquote normal sex life Bearing in mind, she was probably raped from the age of 11. We never talked about sex. This just never came to our, into our minds. It wasn't a topic. Elizabeth was an average student as far as her marks and efforts were concerned. Furthermore, she was never involved in playing jokes on the teachers, and we did that a lot. I don't know whether she wanted to be a mother. We never talked about it, but I assume she wanted to be one someday. When I finished school, my plan was to take up apprenticeship in Tyrol. Tyrol, Tyrol, I'm not sure how to say it. I rarely saw her at that time, but planned to say goodbye to her in the end. I didn't meet her to do that. Now I know I'll regret this for the rest of my life. Mm. I know it's hard to imagine any child being abused, but if you knew Elizabeth, it's even harder to fathom. She had an innate kindness in her, a gentleness towards all things. She loved animals and nature, butterflies, spiders... She would tell the nasty boy at school off if she saw him hurt a fly. To think someone had taken something so pure and then corrupted it sickens me to the pit of my stomach. And to think she had no one to turn to. She endured all the terror of growing up, perhaps keeping herself going with the knowledge that soon she would be able to leave home and get a life. And then the axe fell and he beheaded her. What a total bastard. Fuck. She goes on to say, we were both pretty average in school. I don't think she took any pleasure in schoolwork, was always a bit distant. She didn't like German or maths, but we both enjoyed sports. Volleyball and swimming were our favorites. To think that someone who liked physical exertion would have to be practically immobile for so many years, just beggar's belief. This, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I, uh, I have a hard time when things don't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, like, anybody does. No, well, some people can but. just accept it. Like, okay, that's just... It just I doesn't make sense. I, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. But this really doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it will by the end of all the parts and whatnot, but... Yeah. So, Krista's twin sister, Yuta, was in the same class as Elizabeth for five years, and they, too, were great friends. 
This was Krista's sister, you said, right? Yes. Yeah. The twin sister. Krista Gottzinger. See, I can't do it. What? I really want to learn German, though. Yeah. Nine. So, yeah. So, Yuta explains, I don't think anyone would have guessed that she was being abused. I never really noticed anything, but of course I knew, we all knew, that she was never allowed visitors at home. In all of the years I knew her, she was never allowed to come to us for a weekend or anything. She never went on school trips. She was like some prisoner who was allowed out only at specific times and only with the express permission of her father. She lived in fear of him. We knew that much. She was a good-looking girl. If all this was going on at home, she certainly hid it. We were both good friends with her, me and my sister. She goes on to say, I only saw her infamous dad once. I was near her house and decided I wanted to visit her. I knocked on the door and her mother opened it and I went into the hallway. She was quite normal. She told me to wait a minute. Suddenly he was there, towering over me, his eyes looking at me as if I'd stepped in something nasty and scraped it on his carpet. He was really rude. He just looked at me and said, you get out. He never even asked what I wanted. He'd never even seen me before. That's fucked up. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking this guy might be trouble, Mom. <laughs> you think? <laughs> this just goes to show what a tyrant Josef Fritzl really was. By this time, I'm pretty sure everyone in town knew he was a fucking dick, but I don't believe they could even fathom what he would come to be capable of. Frau Danielchik... Remember the Fritzl's neighbor? Yeah. Um, the Fritzl's neighbor said she would see and hear Yosef beating Elizabeth. Once she heard him yell at her, quote, You will obey me, or so help me God, I will break your back, unquote. Of course, after Elizabeth vanished, Yosef would tell people that he'd done his, quote, unquote, absolute best for her. Why didn't she speak out? Because women didn't do that then. When was this, the 80s? Uh, this would have been late 70s? We were just in Very early 80s. No, no. That's how I began it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. When Elizabeth was 15, she began a course to become a trainee waitress. She desperately wanted to be in the catering business in the future. Probably cooking with her mom, because remember her mom was supposedly like... An amazing cook. Yeah. And so, also just maybe to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, for sure. Around this time, Liesel wrote to a friend and explained how grown up she felt and that she was saving money in order to take a holiday in France or Italy. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. However, Elizabeth had to go home because Australian law stipulates that one has to live with their parents until one is 18 years old. We can only imagine that the sexual, physical, and mental abuse carried on. Yeah, for sure. 100%. So yeah, when she was done the course, she wanted to stay, but he said no. Ugh. On January 28th, 1983, Elizabeth and a friend ran away from home and headed to Vienna, where they hid in the 20th district. Now, the 20th district is apparently, it's not necessarily a bad place, but it's... It's indust uh, like a lot of industrial stuff and tall buildings and okay. You know what I mean? Kind of bleak. 
sort of, I guess you would say. So you could like hide in like an old warehouse or something, probably. Yeah. They had big dreams of getting jobs as waitresses and getting their own flat together. But, being that they were only 16 years old, no one would hire them. So, they ended up sleeping rough. You know what sleeping rough means, right? Yeah. Okay, so anyone who doesn't know what sleeping rough means, sleeping on the streets. Barely eating. Basically homeless. Uh, one night, though, they were invited to a party, and they readily agreed because they might be able to crash on a couch for the night. An actual couch. Yeah. Imagine that, eh? Instead of the streets. Mm-hmm. Later in the night, a neighbor called the cops because of the loud music. When the police arrived, they demanded to see everyone's IDs. When they saw how young Elizabeth and the friend were, the police called Josef Fritzl. Oh, for fuck's sake. Now, Elizabeth had attempted to get away from her father before. One such time, she was gone for three days. This time, she was gone for a few weeks. This time, however, Fritzl was determined to ensure a way to keep Liesl home for good. And that's where the cellar comes in? Now, let me explain where the Fritzls lived was basically a small apartment building that Josef had purchased, and he rented out some flats. So when he started doing extensive work in the cellar, which nobody was ever allowed to go in the cellar. Okay. Uh, nobody thought it was strange. Because of the Cold War and being uh, pretty close to the Iron Curtain, if anyone doesn't know what the Iron Curtain was, it was uh, that big giant wall between East and West Germany. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't strange for people to build bunkers under their houses. So Fritzl applied for this with the planning board of Amstetten. He was approved and given a 2,000-pound grant to help with costs. Oh, my. He built much more than a bunker. When Fritzl was finished, one would go down the cellar stairs, turn left down a hallway that led to Yosef's office, then a door on the opposite side of the room, which, be the le which would be the left side of the room, led to a storage room filled with shelving. However, on the opposite side of this room, behind some shelving, was a secret door that led to a soundproof room. So the door was three feet high, uh, 23 inches wide, and weighed 660 pounds. Oh my god. It was a steel reinforced door. <laughs> See, like, that's so stupid. Yeah. That that would even be allowed. I know. In an apartment building. Yeah. But it was supposed to be a bunker, so... Yeah, the Cold War stuff. Yeah. yeah. One would turn left into the secret room that led to an 1,100-pound steel door on hinges. This would eventually be left open as it was too heavy. Beyond this door was a small 9-foot-by-9-foot nine nine room... No, this one was smaller, sorry. This was, uh, I think it was like four by four, the room, this room. It held a small washing machine. The next room was nine feet by nine feet and held two single beds and a shelf. Oh, my God. Uh, then down a 23-inch wide hallway. 23-inch wide? 23-inch wide hallway. Shit. I am so claustrophobic. Like, even reading this, I'm like, <gasps> you know? Um, led to a small kitchenette 
with a tiny bathroom. The bathroom wasn't walled off. I am going to put pictures up. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Then another 23-inch wide hallway led to a 9 by 9 room with a double bed. That's it. The ceiling height was 5 foot 2 throughout the entire dungeon. Oh my god, 5 foot 2? Yeah. That is, oh my god. Just think of how small that place was. Just, ugh. I can't even imagine. When she was 17, Elizabeth found work as an apprentice waitress in Amgath, 300 kilometers away from Amstetten. Can you imagine what this must have been like her? That far away from her father? Yeah. Oh, freedom for the first time, you know? Um, while there, Liesel started sneaking out, drinking, and partying with boys. She wasn't having sex with any of, any of the boys. She did have a boyfriend while she was here. Just partying. And they would make out and touch and stuff, but when it came to the sexual part, she was always like, ugh. You know, like just... Because of what's gone on in her life. Exactly. Uh, she was having a great time with her first real freedom. After the apprenticeship was over, she really wanted to stay in Ungath. But she was only 17 and needed parental permission in order to stay. And it was no. Yosef refused, of course. And Elizabeth had to return home to abuse and despair. But she kept up a modicum of independence when she returned. She'd go out at night to party. She had a long-distance relationship with a boy, that boyfriend, yeah. that she loved, and she was planning on moving out after she was finished her final exams. Probably just waiting and waiting, just can't wait. Yeah. Oh, my God, what's going through her mind? So what do you think so far? Well, it's very sad. Like Yeah. There's not much else you can say about it. And you're just like hoping that she, oh, just get out. Just get yeah. out, you know? On August 28th, 1984. Where we started. Yosef asked Elizabeth to follow him to the cellar to help him hang a door. When they finished installing the heaviest door, she got up from the floor in order to go back upstairs. Just then, her father grabbed her from behind and put a rag that, Elizabeth said, smelled like alcohol over her face, and everything went dark. Oh. Yeah. Why? Keep A going. lot of it is control. I need more. I course. need more. <laughs> During the first weeks of her imprisonment, all was silent. Except there was a buzzing from the lights that he had put in. And a slight whirring from the tiny, tiny little refrigerator. That's the only noise she had. Yeah, and it was soundproof in there too, so yeah. no one, even if she tried. Yeah. So before he, I should uh, include this, before he imprisoned her in there, he put a, a stereo, or a, a hi-fi system, they called it, down into the cellar and cranked up some heavy metal music and then shut all the doors and everything and went out to the garden, which was right the the courtyard garden was right on top of where her cell was, like her dungeon thing was. Yeah. Couldn't hear a thing. Wow. Yeah. Remember, he was... And it was German heavy metal. Yeah. 
remember he was an ace with concrete. Yeah. Um, so yeah, during the first weeks of her imprisonment, all was silent except when Elizabeth was banging on the walls, scratching the door and walls until her nails broke and her fingers bled. She would scream until becoming physically ill. And she cried until no more moisture could be produced from her tear ducts. However, no one could or would hear her. Yosef had entombed her in the thick steel and, th- and feet and feet of concrete. She was totally and utterly alone in silence and anguish. She paced the cramped quarters endlessly at first in hopes of finding some means of escape. I just, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to hear. She probably looked in every fucking nook and cranny and, you know what I mean? But it's concrete. Yeah. Eventually, she would get lost in memories of her childhood when her father was absent. Playing with friends at Seastern, swimming in the Monsee, at school with her friends and going to church with her gentle mother. She would pretend to climb mountains by walking endlessly around the rooms, pausing to eat a sandwich as she imagined wildlife all around her. Then she'd drift off while humming an Austrian lullaby her mom used to sing to the children. But when she woke up, she was always shoved rudely back into horrendous real-life hell. There was no sense of time. She didn't have a clock at this time. There was no sense of time, no inkling of day or night. All she had was a silent, scary, entombed world now. I can't even... I don't even know what to say. Just just the sensory deprivation alone. Yeah. So, Dr. Stuart Grassian, an esteemed member of the Harvard Medical School faculty, has extensively studied the psychological effects of prolonged solitary confinement of inmates in American prisons. Um, Some of which had even more stimuli than Elizabeth had. Oh, for sure. Because once in a while you have guards checking on you and stuff, right? Pardon me, sorry. Dr. Grassian found that a syndrome could be linked to prolonged solitary confinement. It's called Ganser Syndrome. And it was first discovered in the 1850s, I believe. Symptoms of this syndrome include mental confusion, somatoform conversion disorder, which the... Symptoms of this disorder include tremors, numbness, blindness, hearing loss, weakness, or even paralysis. Hallucinations, amnesia of the episode, which that goes along with PTSD. Yeah. Agitation, self-destructive behavior, and psychotic disorganization. While alone for long periods, Elizabeth would hear people whispering. Of course. And they weren't just, like, she'd hear, like, Elizabeth. But she'd also hear them whispering, like, like bad things to her. Like, you're going to die, you know? Stuff yeah. like that. Well, but you have no hope. Of course. Yep. Elizabeth would hear people whispering. She had hallucinations of her mother's food. Uh. She claimed she could almost taste her mother's food while she was seeing it. Uh, Yosef filled the tiny fridge with TV dinners, cheap ice cream, 
cheap cuts of meat, frozen veggies, and it says oven chips. And remember, I got you to look this up. It's yeah. just frozen French fries. Later in her confinement, Elizabeth's teeth began to fall out, and she developed scurvy. Oh, my God. British sailors in Victorian times had scurvy from too little vitamin C and really just vitamins. This was modern-day Europe, and yeah. she developed scurvy. Oh, my God. Elizabeth had strange visions of the objects in her dungeon, like the washing machine, uh, the fridge, stuff like that, getting bigger and smaller, and sometimes they appeared to melt right in front of her eyes. She's just going insane. Yeah. A few times, she quote-unquote trashed the place by throwing ripped-up garbage around. Uh, she would rip up the towels and the sheets and stuff like that. Psychotic disorganization, right? Yeah. <clears throat> she even flooded the place a few times. Really? Yeah. After each of these episodes, Yosef would beat her mercilessly. She knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Self-destructive behavior. Uh, he would beat her mercilessly, belittle her, and remind her that she was never leaving here. Isn't like, that sick? Again, like, why? Like, Just, ugh. But, despite all of the sensory deprivation, mental, physical, and emotional torment, Elizabeth endured. Her will to live overrode all of the agony. The will to survive is something else, man. Yeah, I tell ya. I'm sorry I'm not talking much. I just want you to, like, I, I want to hear what, yeah. what's happening here. And it's kind of shocking, too. So. Yeah. After a few months had passed, Elizabeth got herself into sort of a routine. She now had a clock. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So she would sleep at night and get up at 8 a.m. She would have a meager breakfast wrapped up in her blankets because it was fucking freezing down there. Then walk around the tiny rooms or meditate on the places she wanted to visit when she regained her freedom. Places like London, New York, and Paris. Then she'd prepare herself dinner, shower, then sleep and repeat. In time, Elizabeth's breathing became labored from the poor ventilation and moisture-filled air. Mildew began to form in the dungeon and poor Liesel developed terrible bronchial problems. I was wondering about that, how, how the air would be down there. Like He did install a ventilation system, but because of, of course, it's in a cellar and the thick concrete and he couldn't let it be seen. Yeah. He had to hide it somewhere. It was very long and there was many, many twists and turns in the piping. So by the time the air got to her, it was stale air anyway. Fuck. And there was no uh, vent to pump out the CO2 that she herself was producing. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Josef Fritzl says that he did not start sexually abusing his daughter until a year after her incarceration. Elizabeth maintains that it started when she was only 11 years old. Now... Who to believe? Yeah. <laughs> the sweet, quiet, unassuming young lady whom everyone trusted with their children? Or the convicted rapist, wife and child abuser, psychopath who built a secret soundproof dungeon in which to kidnap and imprison his daughter? And who why, would you believe? And why would she lie? Yeah, exactly. It happened regardless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I have to wonder what 18-year-old Elizabeth thought the first time Yosef visited her without supplies in hand. By all accounts, she was a very bright person, so she must have had an inkling that he was about to rape her. And that's just what he did. Soon this became a routine. Every three days or so, Fritzel would enter the cellar for the express purpose of sexually abusing his own daughter. <clears throat> he would eventually reward the hell he put her through by supplying her with mats for the floor. Oh, wow. A space heater, a radio, and a TV. However, Elizabeth knew... Sorry... That with no con, con <laughs> with no contraception, pregnancy was a real issue. Also, <clears throat> being that this was incest, any children conceived could be fraught with a myriad of genetic disorders. All of this weighed heavily on Elizabeth's mind. Eventually, <clears throat> pardon me. Eventually, Yosef would sit with his daughter and tell her the goings-on of the world she was no longer a part of. He told Elizabeth how her siblings were doing, and what they were doing. They're not in a fucking dungeon. Yeah, gossiped about the neighbors, and talked about her mother, whom she, she missed so much, right? This was an agony to hear, but also a blessing to be able to talk to someone, even if it was her hated captor, and to hear news of any kind. What a terrible torture that must have been on her. Wanting it, but not wanting it. Yeah. Like, oof, that's terrible. So, now remember when Elizabeth ran away to Vienna? Yes. Well, Yosef was absolutely beside himself. Not with worry, but with anger. He told everyone that would listen that Liesel had taken up with a bad crowd, and she was drinking, doing drugs, and whoring. He insisted that she unequivocally defied him and Rosemarie. So when Elizabeth went, quote-unquote, missing, she this just time, ran away. he told everyone that they'd received a letter from her claiming that she'd run away to join a sect or a cult. Yeah. However, there were suspicions. Who? So <clears throat> this is a man named... Sepp Leitner, who rented a flat in uh, the apartment building. There's a name for the apartment building, but I don't know how to say it. It's Y-B-B-S-S-T-R-A-S-S-E. All right. Yeah. So I'm just going to say the apartment building. Yes, that'd be better. <laughs> so he says, just before he kicked me out, I got a dog called Sam. Fritzel never liked him, but then my wife and I didn't like Fritzel. She used to call him the devil because of the way he looked. Interesting, don't you think? Given that when he was finally banged up, the other prisoners immediately called him Satan? Really? Yeah. I think he... Well, look at his picture. Yeah, I, I know his picture. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, I think he took against Sam because Sam knew in that instinctive way that animals have that something was not right in the house. That's so true, eh? Yeah, animals can just do that. Oh, yeah. They sense everything, man. The dog behaved strangely at all times. He wouldn't bark out the window or stand at the door, but he would lie on the floor, right over that cellar, and whine and whimper 
looking quizzically at the floor as if trying to figure out something that was puzzling him. Really? He could probably hear her. Yeah. The dog. Yeah, because of their scent. Yeah. My wife used to joke that there were ghosts in the house, but I never had an explanation at the time. All I know is that if a dog reacts in the direction, he hears a noise. He hears a noise from the side, he barks to the side. If he hears a noise from outside, he will bark outside. But if it comes from underground, well, that would explain why he stayed lying down and growled all the time. I grew up with dogs and I know very well the way they work. And Fritzl did too. He wanted Sam gone because Sam was a threat. I see that now. The dog can just sense the anguish too. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Look at Michonne when either of us is like in pain or something. She. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing was a lot of jiggery pokery, (laughs) which I've never heard before, with the electricity. Because when he hooked everything up, he ran it off his tenant's electricity. Oh. Yeah. I got an additional bill for 5,000 shillings, or around 250 pounds. This is in like 1984-85. Yeah. One year, and I thought this was crazy. The flat wasn't even 30 square meters big. And didn't even have a washing machine in it. I used to do all my washing at my mother's. We rarely used the kitchen. We used to eat out all the time. A sparky friend, which means an electrician, a sparky friend came around to install cable television for me. He looked at the bill and said, something fishy here, Sep. So we went around the flat together and turned every electrical appliance off, including the TV and even an alarm clock radio. Absolutely everything. And yet the electricity meter was still whirling around like a dervish. My friend told me to go to the council. My mistake was that I didn't do that. But I confronted Fritzel instead. Something's up here, I said. You're running stuff on on my meter. That was it. We had a row, a fight, and he gave me notice to quit. uh, To quit. To to get get out. out. He changed the locks. If I'd only gone to the council and they'd tried to find where the electricity was going, maybe they might have uncovered this a lot sooner. And he probably thinked about thinked. He probably thinked about that. Yeah. He probably thought about that over and over and so over. So much again. guilt, eh? Yeah. He says, "But I will have to live with my mistakes, and it haunts me that I might have saved her." Yeah. Oh, I got goosebumps. I remember one old geezer who I used to see. <laughs> okay, so saying one old geezer over there—that's not a. That's not an insult. They're just called geezers, the old, the old men. I remember one old geezer who I used to see sitting on a step at night when I came home from work. He'd say, how's the arsehole? Get your dog to bite him. He'd say. I think I like this old man. Yeah. <laughs> In conversation with him, one day he told me Fritzl was a convicted rapist. Dragged out a faded old yellow press cutting to prove it, too. I can't understand why everyone later said they didn't know about it. Yeah. He goes on to say, he also stole food from the fridges of other tenants. Now, we know it was to supplement supplies in a secret dungeon. One of them told me how he came home early from work one day and spotted Fritzl coming out of his front door with a carton of milk in his hand. He said, hey man, what the hell are you doing in my flat? (laughs) (laughs) Fritzl stammered something about running out of milk and wanting to borrow some and how he was going to put it back. The other tenant was really annoyed and he said, this is my private flat. 
Fritzl offered to give him a reduction on his rent and promised it wouldn't happen again. But it became the talk of the house and got everyone thinking about the times they'd missed stuff. Someone said he missed sausages in his fridge, and I clearly remember missing a packet of noodles. The old bastard was raiding our cupboards at night or when we were out. So another tenant, Dubinovsky, he was a tenant there for 12 years. Oh, okay. He says, now, now I think back on it, I suppose I should have wondered why he went down to the cellar every day. At the time, I was like every other Austrian. None of my business. Don't get involved. But he was a creepy guy, a secretive sort of guy. When I saw him carrying food down into the basement, I thought back to my childhood, how my parents stored food in their cellar. So it didn't seem too weird to me when I saw him in the garden carrying lots of stuff he'd just taken out of his car. I'm 100% sure that I heard some noises coming from the cellar. I actually asked what was going on in the cellar just under my flat, and Fritzl explained that it was the heating system that he just renewed and was making some quote-unquote strange noises. He made the cellar a no-go zone. He didn't even want us to look out the windows into the garden. I don't know how you can stop people from looking out their fucking windows. What the hell? But he tried. He said that this is none of your business. There was always, too, some noise made by an extractor fan. I've never been able to tell where they were placed. I know that every single flat had one, but an extractor fan was switched on all the time. So that would be like your bathroom fan. Yeah. Some people, it comes on when you turn your bathroom light on. But as soon as you turn it off, it stops. Yeah. But this one that he heard was running constantly. So that was her ventilation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Whew. I never thought that it was possible this noise came from downstairs, but when I think about it now, that seems logical. I also remember him complaining that he didn't want anybody to take photographs of the house, the courtyard, or the garden. I remember discussing it with him and telling him that nobody would probably want to take photographs of those things anyway. And he replied... Quote, you wait and see. One day this house will make history. Unquote. Okay. What yeah. a piece of crap, eh? Yeah. All right, so. Did but, he, like, want to be caught eventually? Like, I don't know. I think he be... was just proud of his cellar. I think he was proud of the construction, really. Piece of yeah. crap. It's ridiculous. But, despite these suspicions... Elizabeth remained in captivity. Her skin turning yellow, her teeth falling out, numbness and tingling in her fingers and toes, confusion, loss of appetite, lack of balance, her gums bled, rashes, skin inflammations, not to mention her breathing issues, and she walked stooped over more and more like an old person. Oh. And she's like 20 years old or something at this yeah. point, right? Then, five years into her hell, in 1988, Elizabeth missed her period. Oh no, she's pregnant. And that's it until part three. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, you should see his face right now, guys. Like, he, he seriously just wants to puke. I want to kill. Yeah. I want to kill that cocksucker. Yeah. Oh, my God. It took me a long time to start doing the research on this part because of my own issues. Um, 
sort of hit home for a lot of the stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, but so we got through part two. Hopefully it'll just be part three. There might be a part four because there is a lot to unpack with this. I'm not going to tell you how long she was there for, but she was there for a long time. So, yeah. Okay. So we hope you guys are liking what you hear. Uh, I mean, 802 plays. Somebody's liking something. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back next week for part trois. Yes. Three for my non-French speaking fellows. And uh, this is any crime at all. Signing out. Bye. Bye.